Sounds like the coaching availability yesterday was really good. Um, got to hear from a lot of guys that um, the fans and the media hadn't really heard from yet. Kind of hear their story, why they come, why they've come here, what their yeah. Todd Bates is one of them, right there. Yeah, what their their feeling has been since they since they've got here. So yeah, man, it's been it's been pretty cool listening to some of those those coaches. So yeah, here's another one, Jay Valai, who uh, was at Alabama on uh, how it all came to be. We've known Brent for a while, but what his head coaching style is going to be is starting to become pretty clear. You know, there's some head coach. I'm not saying that there's a lot of them, but there's some head coaches out there that, you know, it's more of a dictatorship as to how they run the program with their assistants, right? And it just does not seem like that's going to be the deal here with Brent Vittables. It's not going to be a dictatorship. Um it seems like he's the type of head coach that a lot of assistants really like to work for, because I mean he'll he'll I mean he'll put pressure on you. I mean there's there's pressure to to, uh, to coach well, obviously, but there's a real genuine feel that he cares about you as a person and as a coach. There's no doubt about it. Um, there there is no doubt about it, and he wholeheartedly believes that. Those relationships between um, members of the staff with each other, between the staff and the players, between the players and the players, like those relationships, uh, the tighter all of that stuff is, the more it's going to mean to every single guy in the program to be successful, not just be successful in the field, but be successful in everything that they do. I, he, I'm telling you, he wholeheartedly believes that, and it's not lip service. So we'll see if the experiment works. Um, I believe it will. I believe that the you – know, because it's not all just mushy stuff, right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's going to be some hard love there. and It's one of the things that he said is we're always going to do what's best for the player, even whenever the player may disagree with that. Right, so there's going to be some of those moments, but you're going to hear similar things from from all of the coaches about developing a relationship with Brent Venables, and that's why they came here. You heard Brandon Hall talk about like OU is is has always been really big in his life. Uh, he grew up in Oklahoma, was a huge OU fan as a kid. Um, you know, wanted to play, couldn't. So then the next thing is he wanted to coach at OU, right? And that's always been a dream of his. But I, it, it's not – OU's not the reason he's here right now. Coach Venables is the that's reason he's pretty here. pretty good sign, man. It's he, a really good sign. He came here because he trusts 
Coach Venables and uh, Coach Venables has always held him to a very, very high standard. And that's what he said is he's he's going to come here and it's going to be a challenge and it's going to be uncomfortable and he embraces it. You know when we say all the time, well, what's the buy-in factor? Let's see if these guys buy in. We say it all the time for a first-year head coach. Right. And we're mostly talking about the players, but your assistant coach has got to buy in to, to what you're selling as well, you know? Right. That's kind of an overlooked thing, and there is no doubt that this entirety of the staff, they'll follow Brent Venables wherever he goes. I mean, whatever whatever visions that he has right now, it sounds like everyone is 100% on board. Right. Style, recruiting, whatever, uh, they're all there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll play several more audio clips from yesterday's press conferences. Throughout the show, I, I was going to kind of – explore a college football topic today of will we get more or less parity moving forward with the SEC adding two more teams and I was going through the 90s right of like golly look how many look how much parity was even in the 90s Georgia Tech and Colorado split in 90 count these for me if you will right there's two Uh, Miami wins it in 91 Bama wins it in 92 Florida State wins it in 93 Nebraska wins it in 94. Nebraska wins it again in 95. But then Florida wins it in 96. Uh, Michigan splits with Nebraska in 97. And then, of course, you got Tennessee in 98. I mean, there weren't very many repeat winners at all in the 90s. And I'm thinking, Was Nebraska the only repeat winner? Nebraska and Florida State. Florida Florida State. State was 93 and 99. Yeah. Now, I was sitting there thinking like, dang, there's no way we're ever going to see that again in college football. But we've had four different national title winners in the past four years. Georgia last year, Bama in 2020, LSU in 2019, and uh, Clemson in 2018. So are we going to have more or less parity? Like, what's this this whole thing going to look like as we move forward? We've had... Four different national champions, but they've all come from the same like subgroup. Right? It's almost the same teams making the – I mean, I know there's been some different teams make the playoffs, but it's really kind of been the same group playing – Georgia versus Alabama, Alabama versus Clemson, uh, Clemson versus – Whoever you know, it's just kind of been uh, musical chairs between those same same teams. So more parity, probably not. I don't. I think there's going to be less and less parity in college football the longer it goes on, because like the the TV deals of the mid and late nineties is what really changed college football and teams started to like, it, it became really, really lucrative. And when it became really lucrative and the money started pouring in, that's whenever you started to see the big teams really start to separate themselves. And like the way that the playoff is laid out right now benefits the, the, the big dogs. I don't think you ever see more parity until you open up the playoff to more teams. And, and I, I don't even. And you know how I feel. I, I don't even think that that's going to it change may not. things. It may not. So 
I I I think you're going to continue to see consolidation into the the top teams. Yeah. It's just too hard. Like you just can't. Yeah, there, can't it's going to be the least amount of parity that we've ever seen in the sport. Um, who are the teams that are going to be involved? Ohio State uh, will be there, I think. The Big Ten will still be relevant. Ohio State will be there. Georgia will be there. Alabama will be there. LSU, of course, will be there. Oklahoma will be in there. Clem- even Clemson's kind of um, a question mark to me, being in the ACC and outside of the SEC now with how much I think the SEC is going to turn into even more of a giant than it already is. Clemson is you know, maybe the third best program in the sport right now, but I think that they may be even left out to dry a little bit in this right. whole thing. Yeah. So luckily, I think OU is in the group that you know we're talking about here with the least amount of parity ever, but it's not a, it's not a very big group that we're talking about, and I don't think it includes anyone west of Norman, Oklahoma either. Right. Not as as of right now, it doesn't. Um, who do you? Who would you? What what all teams would you consider? Like when we're talking parity, there's there's a small group at the top, and then there's everyone else. Who would you consider to be in that group? Bama, yeah. Georgia, yeah. Uh, Ohio State, yep. Clemson. Um, wait and see. One wait, wait and see on that. Uh, OU, yes. Um, Notre Dame, they've made multiple playoffs. They haven't broke through. OU hasn't broke through either. So here, here's the thing, and, and maybe I'm totally misevaluating this. Would not be the first time. But everyone outside of the SEC moving forward, except for Ohio State, gives me a lot of pause in terms of being there to win a national championship. I yeah. like Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. Of course, I like Dabo at Clemson. I just think things are going to shift so much more to the southeast that it's going to be tough for any outsiders to break through and win a natty. Right. So, you know, you can mention six or seven teams in the SEC. I'll probably say yes, but anyone outside of it other than Ohio State, I don't know, man. Unless I'm misevaluating with, I I think a lot of those teams are going to feel the effects of this move. Right. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing. So you got what? You get 30... Five-star recruits every year, right? And don't they only give out 30? Well, it's around that number, yes. So, for the 2022 signing class, between Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, uh, Clemson, those four teams that have kind of been in the rotating, the constant rotation, they had 12 of the 30 five-stars. Now... That's 22 class. I think it goes way up in other years because A&M has seven five stars. Uh, that's, not, that's not typically the case. They're kind of off the, off the radar. If I go back to other years, like, okay, so the 21 signing class, 7, 14, 18, 21. Those four schools, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, those schools had – what did I just say? 21. 21 of the 30 Jeez, five stars. It's ridiculous. You, that, that is not parody. Because you've got, that's four schools, right, that have the massive share of the, the 30 most talented guys. There's 130 Division I schools that are in the same classification as those schools. 
it, it, essentially, this would be like Alabama had in 21, they had seven five stars. That would be like saying Kevin Durant uh, joining the Golden State Warriors. No, it'd be like saying the Rams just won the Super Bowl. You get seven first round picks next year and you beat, um, who'd they beat? They beat Cincinnati. Yeah, they Golly, beat they're already that irrelevant. But, the, you know, you see what I'm saying, though? It's like. The, the rich t- get richer in the sport. There's to no get rewarded. right. Yeah, there's no method for the you know bottom teams to to That's come right. up. That's yeah. right. That's right. So, and I, once they do make any sort of a come up, their coach gets hired elsewhere, and you're starting right. over all over again. That's why I think a 12 team playoff is it's the only avenue that I think is legitimate. That that I see any, and I don't think it's going to be a great amount of parity, but. Let's use Cincinnati, for example. And I know they're going to be in the Big 12, but let's say that they stayed in a non-Power 5 division, or conference, rather. If they made the 12-team playoff every year, I think that would see like big recruiting benefits. Does that mean that they're going to start getting three five-stars every year? No. But whenever you're playing on that national stage, that 12-team playoff, Every year, I think that gets recruiting. Sure, if, if a kid was deciding between Cincinnati and Michigan State, maybe that kid says, well, I mean, maybe Michigan State overall is a better – I don't even know if Michigan State's a better overall program, but you get the point. Mm-hmm. I can go play in the Big Ten, but if I want to go play in the playoff, my chances are much better at Cincinnati than they are at Michigan State. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying it's like an ultimate leveling of the playing field. I'm not saying that. I just think that there that is the only way that I could see any of the other schools getting any type of foothold at all in recruiting because the way it goes right now especially with the NIL stuff coming through forget about it. Everything that's happened in college football rules wise, NIL wise, just pretty much everything that has come along benefits the bigger Yep. More uh, well-financed programs. That's just that's just the nature of it. And there's so many schools that just want to be along for the payday that they don't want to start their own playoff, their own their own thing, even though they know what they're doing is a fruitless endeavor, except for the people that are getting paid, you know, to to have a football program, right? That's why they want to be in Division One. Why do you want to be in Division One? Why would Old Dominion really want to fight and scrap to be Division One? It's to get non conference. Wow, no. <laughs> to get big time non conference games that are going to pay their athletic programs. That's it. That's it. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. Cavens Construction bringing you hour number two on this Friday. Remodeling, roofing, water restoration, facility maintenance. Cavens Facility Maintenance serves all of Oklahoma. They can help take help take the ease off of your staff by fixing those pesky problems in your office building. 
It feels like every single day I'm seeing someone in the community shaking hands with uh, Gary in a picture. Like, uh, yeah, Cavens was awesome. They helped us build this uh, massive structure in Norman or in Moore or in Oklahoma City. He's all over the place. Gary and the team, they're awesome. 405-573-3048. Tulsa, you can call them, 918-282-7612. Text line wants a, uh, a yeah from you for the weekend. Yeah. Over- that felt good. That one felt really good. I needed that, was that as deep. well. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty deep. Over, under, two and a half commits from this weekend. Under. I went under today as well. Well, hang on a second. Dylan Edwards is going to Arkansas. It says over, under, two and a half commits from this weekend. There's got to be a statute of limitations here. How long do we get for the commitments to come in? You know what I'm saying? Like, do they have to take place? I think I think we have to know about them by Monday when we're on the mm. air. Yeah, I'll go under on that. I'll go under as well. You got to go back. You got to talk it over with your family. You got to tell your high school coach. You've got to muster up the courage to tell. God, unless you're you. Hey, we'd like to offer you a yes. <laughs> yes, I will, coach. Yes, please. Yes. Hey, when you're scared that the offer's not going to remain on the table for very long, you try and take it. Okay? Do I need to pay you guys? On the, do I do I need to like offer some sort of a payment? I probably would have done that. I was not a very good negotiator at the time. Okay? That's uh, so good. was not playing hard to get. Uh, basketball game tomorrow. 3 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know if you've heard. Do OU we have Kansas State. a line yet in that basketball game? No. Uh, hmm. 56% chance to win for Kansas State, according to the Basketball Power Index. Hmm. Well, Haven't won in Manhattan since 2012. Is that right? It's right! Golly. And it's not... Uh, they've had some really good teams during that span. Mm, couple. They've had some really bad teams during that span, too. And this is one of them. Well, they're not really bad, but they're they're definitely beatable. Um, Maybe it was just the curse of Lon Kruger this entire time. And Porter Moser is going to go up there and uh, dominate. You think Lon was throwing the game to KSU? Yeah, proud of the guy. Proud of the guy. They got my jersey up there in the rafters. They're at uh, K-State. It's uh, nice, but uh, proud of them. Proud of K-State. Uh, tough, play, tough play to play. Bruce did a great job with his team, but uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah. not. I, yeah, I don't know. I... I feel. Don't say you feel good. You can't feel good. good about a win or a game at Kansas State. They've won two straight. K State's lost four straight. Like that's mattered before. I've been I'm up there for a game, and OU's been ranked number one, and K State's been unranked, and they lose by like twelve. It's in my opinion, what Kansas State has done over the last four is immaterial. That's not what I'm factoring off of. I think OU as. Hit a little bit of a decent stride here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. All right. I hope you, you're right. Two game. When's the last? How well time? did they play in that? The first game of the two game win streak that you're talking about against OSU. Well, they played good for most of regulation. All right. <laughs> they really fell apart. I, late. I don't know if I agree with that at all. We've won two straight. We hadn't won two straight, Tyler. Since we beat Alcorn State and Kansas State. And those were really tough games. That is really something there, that it's been that long since we won two straight basketball games. Wow. Text line says, I believe the best chance at parity is a 64-team, eight-division D1, 
thus an eight-team playoff. Ta- top talent gets funneled. Bonus relegation for bottom eight every year. Kansas, Illinois, and the like earns the right to be in D1. So he, he, what he's saying is, or the texter is saying is, a 64-team, eight different divisions, Division One, like that's what you get in D1 college football. Yeah, like, just like the teams. Power 5 teams are now D1. Right. And conference winner and all, or I guess division winner for all the divisions makes the playoffs. That is an excellent, excellent idea. I think it would work great. I think that is the best way to get parity. I think it would, would make for an unbelievable playoff. It will never, no. ever, ever, but ever happen. As a season ticket holder, if that moves us away from the you know UT Chattanooga games or the Missouri State games or the Idaho State games having to pay for those, like let, let, let's go, man. I'd well, like to get more bang out of my buck for the uh, season tickets. This is where the argument comes in about that would devalue the regular season. And my pushback is always, would you rather have to go 11-1 and and play six or seven really bad football teams, or would you rather be able to have three or four losses and play all good games. Yeah, no, I, I could see the point of it would devalue the regular season and that you don't feel like every single week truly matters. You can't lose or but else. But we don't feel that way anyways. Um, Do we go into and do not use last year? Yeah, one loss year. you do. But it's not like you go into the Kansas game thinking, oh my God, we have to win this thing. Almost every game on your schedule is... If you are one of the competitive teams at the top, it's not one that you have this, like, there's this week-long buildup of, oh, my God, this is going to be huge. No, no, I, I'm I'm for it. Um, playing Power 5 teams every single week. Like, yeah, maybe that means a two- or a three-loss team would get in more of the time, but I'm I'm more down for that than I am just seeing teams roll over Charleston Southern in sure. Week 12 of the season. Like, that's not... It's not fun for anybody. It's not fun for Charleston Southern. That's not fun for Georgia. That's not fa- fun for the Georgia fans that pay 85 bucks for that ticket. But the teams right now, and include Oklahoma in this, the teams at the top, the big money football programs, will never, ever allow that to happen. They've got a stranglehold on the top. Um, the best players, the best coaches, the best funding, they will never, ever let the, let go of that. Yeah, the only thing I'd say is if attendance continues to trend down at a level to where everyone says, okay, this is alarming, we've got to do something. And I, I'm with, I don't think even that is going to happen. But if you are really concerned about – the declining attendance in college football, and that's not just the Big 12, that's every conference right now. I think if you were to do like Power Fives only, playing Power Fives every single game, I think that you might see attendance rebound a little bit. Yeah, It's hard to get excited to go watch your team when they're a 64-point favorite over a bad football team. If a two-year pandemic 
can't like totally tank. And I know that attendance is trended down, but if a two year pandemic doesn't totally tank your attendance, I'm, I'm convinced nothing will. It's it's declining, but I hear you. Uh, text line parity will never happen until money is divided across the sport instead of conferences. Well, talk about a thing that'll never happen. Yeah, good luck with that's, and and I agree with that, right? And and that's that's how the NFL works. It's it's profit sharing all the way across all thirty two teams, um, and they also have a talent selection process that. You know, it helps the the teams that are struggling get better talent. It doesn't fix everything, but it sure helps. NCAA proposed rule changes include reviews of second half targeting calls, players faking injuries. Yeah, the I I don't feel, and I'm cool with trying to rid the faking injuries out of the game. I don't feel like it happens nearly as much as it used to eight years ago, ten years ago. Well, I you're right. We we suffered through our own spat of that around here and nothing makes me more angry than when a player goes down, lays on the field, uh trainers jog out there, spend a couple minutes with him, he gets up and walks off under his own power and goes back in two plays later. You- that Pisses me off. You know um, the time I remember, <laughs> like an OU guy doing that that I remember the most clearly. Let me see if you can recall this or not. You and I both got annoyed at this. Uh, it was at Ohio State, and Ohio, Ohio State was like at the goal line, and Obo, your best defensive player, like faked an injury so they could slow the pace down a little bit. Yeah. If you're going to do that, have like a rotational guy uh, go down, not your, your only pass rusher. Yeah, that is, that's annoying. Now, here's the thing. Some of the NCAA uh, proposed rule changes coming up are clock issues. And I'm just telling you right now, the, the clock running on some of these instances, whenever they're, they're wanting it to now, like after first downs and – and incomplete passes and stuff like that whenever the ball's ready for play. That is not what we want for college football because how are you going to make up because they're wanting less snaps, right? So how do you make up for that if you're a top offense? You go fast. Yep. You go tempo. Tempo, 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 tempo to try and snap the ball more. I, I just – I don't love it just from the standpoint of – I don't know why we sit around every every single year, every offseason, talking about college football, counting down the days, and then once the season gets here, we want to speed up the game as quick as possible. Now, in your era, I will admit, the games were taking way too long. Dude, you guys were playing like four-hour games yeah. in 03 and 04, especially with like OSU and Tech were playing. Those were, like, those were over four-hour games. That's a little bit ridiculous. But I feel like now we're kind of in like the three hour and twenty minute range, three hour, three and a half. Like that's that's fine, that's okay. I don't think that we need to make this a two and a half hour game or anything like that. I don't either. You know, just shorten halftime if you want to do anything. For most people, I do feel like there's a like if you're going to an OU game, most people have dedicated their entire Saturday to it, right? It's not like anyone is in some big rush to get 
in and out of there. And I know sometimes people may leave early to uh, beat traffic in a blowout, but I, I, I don't, I don't think there's like this big time crunch that's keeping people from going because most of the people that go are people that go uh, very often. And whenever you are someone that goes often, you build your fall weekends around it. Yes. So it, it's like probably just about fitting it in the TV window more often now. Yeah. Which is why we came up with that detestable um, overtime situation that we have now. After the that's the rule change that's maybe upset me more than any other. Oh, that LSU A and M game was awesome! It was the best game of the year. Let's make sure it never happens again. <laughs> cool. Guys. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hit some things that caught my eye next. Stay tuned. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, and this is segment is called What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. First quick shout-out to our buddies over at Roof Tech. Josh Tucker, former teammate of mine, running the show over there. Tons of experience, been doing it for a long time, can handle any of your roofing needs. Whether it's just repairs or a full roof replacement, uh, give the guys at Roof Tech a call. Um, Amari Cooper. Dallas Cowboys look like they're set to release Amari Cooper, who was owed, I think, something like $20 million bucks. Yeah, not surprising. The Cowboys um, are not ready to win a Super Bowl with their roster. And even worse news, with how much they've paid Zeke Elliott, they are in terrible shape when it comes to the cap. So, yeah, go figure. Go Cowboys. Uh, mm. Not a roster good enough to win. And not a great cap situation right now. You'd love to keep Coop, but you're going to have to cut somebody with this situation. And unfortunately, it's him. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is this is just um, a posturing or what, but it sounds like uh, a large group of people that we would consider in the know are starting to say that, Aaron Rodgers is going to stay with the Green Bay Packers. So, and they're going to offer him allegedly a, an incredible deal, which that sounds great for Aaron Rodgers, but for a franchise that's really been trying to break through and just make it to another Super Bowl, that's not really what you're looking to do, right? I mean, right. the the best teams are the quarterbacks that have been taking a little bit of a deals to spread the wealth around and I don't know how much uh, wealth there is going to be to spread around if he takes this deal that's you know being speculated. Baylor's Tyquan Thornton ran a four-two-one forty-yard dash at the NFL Scouting Combine, then uh, gets an an, an official four-point-two-eight forty-yard dash time, which. Um, Still an incredible time. But here's how the NFL combine works. You've got a you've got a your hand is like 
there's like a laser that your hand, whenever you lift your hand, it starts the clock. Whenever you run through the finish line laser, it stops the clock. Okay? So I don't know how you can go from like a 421 to a 428. That is, that's a significant change in the time. When I ran my 40 at the combine, which they don't tell you your time, I ran through. I, whenever I ran through, I walked back over pretty quickly to the guy at the finish line who had like a computer desk there. Right. I look at the computer desk. I said, what was my time? And I lean over and I look at the computer. I ran a, it said on there, it had like a 447. And he said, you, we can't, you guys can't look at these. And I was like, why? That's my time. What do you mean I can't look at it? And I officially got a 451. How do they, why and how do they change the time? Uh, I have no idea. I'm more interested in talking about, uh, is Trey Brown, is Tyquan Thornton the guy Trey Brown chased down? in the 2019 Big 12 championship game to save the day? That's a question I do not have the answer to, but uh, I'm searching it. I think he may have been. (laughs) And if Trey Brown chased down that guy, uh, it it even makes that play more impressive. Yeah, that was something. That that won the Big 12 for us that year. Yeah. Got anything else? Nope, that's it. Coach K coaching his last game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. At Duke, of course. Not coaching his last game, just inside Cameron Indoor. Right. Oddly enough, he gets to play North Carolina and Brady Manhick. Prairie Larry got a chance to uh, send Coach K out on a bad note. Reading a CBS article earlier today, it uh, ranks the f- 1 through 42, the best players of the Coach K era at Duke. Number one, Christian Leitner. Number two, Grant Hill. Number three, Jay Williams. Number four, Zion Williamson. Number five, J.J. Redick. It's a pretty nice little top five there. really is. He's had some, he's had some dudes come through there. Elton Brand and Shane Battier were at eight and nine. Bobby Hurley was at 10. R.J. Barrett was at 11. Marvin Bagley at 12. Jaleel mm. Okafor at 13. Jeez. Wow. Uh, mm. Yeah, that's... That's a pretty impressive little run there. And I was going to say that Manic's going to hit seven threes and ruin the night for Duke, but I forgot it's a road game. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, hey, sorry! Wow. Too soon? Sorry, Brady, if you're listening. Um, no, it's not too soon. It's pretty funny. Chris Bra- Platt. Chris Platt is who he chased down? Jacob Zeno pass complete to Chris Platt for 78 yards to the Oklahoma well, 17. Let's not let a fact Getting away of a good story. Let's just say that it's Tyquan. We chased Thornton. down a guy, ran four two one. Breaking for the first time ever, a U.S. city has breached the five dollars per gallon average. Congratulations Ooh. to San Francisco, averaging over five dollars per gallon right now in gasoline. Five dollars hmm. a gallon. Hmm. I, that sounds like some insane number but like if you're if you're getting premium right now you're hovering like really close and in some places over that four dollar mark yeah amen on that one and it looks like it's going up which side note can i borrow your 
I told car. you, you know, I, I revealed on the show last week that I bought a uh, new Nissan Altima recently, and everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, what a joke, Nissan Altima. Who's, who's laughing now? Probably yeah. still you guys, but at least I'm getting good gas mileage, okay? Dang. It's worth mm-hmm. the laughs. It's, mm-hmm. it's painful right now at the pump. It's not that bad, guys, all right? It's a nice little car. Oh, no, the Altima, yeah. yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it looks yeah. great. Uh, last one I have, Rashad Samples. He was doing big things at SMU, got hired at TCU this offseason. Well, now he's taking a job with the L.A. Rams as the running backs coach. That is a big-time blow to TCU because he was going to be the ace recruiter on their staff and a real young and up-and-comer in the business. That's interesting. Who who was the Rams running back coach? Uh, I have he... no idea. They hired, uh, what, O'Donnell was, was his name, uh, that took the Vikings job, their O.C., I don't know who the running backs coach was. Huh. Nice. All right. Good stuff. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Cavens Construction, bringing you hour number two of the rush on this Friday. Keep the text coming on the Air Cover Solutions text line as we take you into the weekend. 651-3439. We'll have a whole lot of college football talk coming uh, in the final hour of the show. Text line, I'm riding in a Toyota Camry. It rocks on gas mileage. Nicely done. I am not riding in a Toyota Camry. And what I'm riding in does not rock on gas mileage. Nathan on Twitter says, I drive a Chevy Cruze, put $25 in gas this morning, and filled up to three-fourths of my gas tank. Golly, nice job, dude. Dang. Nice job. I don't even know if I get that. It cost me right at $100 to (laughs) fill up. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and you got to drive uh, 30 miles to get anywhere outside Goldsby, too. So I'm sure that's Man. not a gas guzzler. Man, I think I'm personally driving up the gra- gas prices with how far I have to drive every day. So Bill Beanbow revealed yesterday he has a house on Grand Lake. Yeah. So I asked, uh, what's the best lake in Oklahoma on social media, on our Twitter page? Mm-hmm. Let's see what we get here. I'm partial to 10 Killer. Grand is pretty nice all around, hard to argue, fairly clear. Water stays close to the same level and great fishing. Eufaula or Grand, Ten Killer and Grand. Fort Gibson is okay, but it's pretty dirty nowadays. I agree with that. Ten Killer all day long. Broken Bow and Ten Killer. Ten Killer. Foss. <laughs> Foss? <laughs> yeah, but they, they show like this magical... Like pond in like Fiji or something. Oh, okay. They're making a joke. I was about to say I've never heard of that. Thunderbird gets a couple votes. Dirty bird. So everyone's smart. Ten killer is the right answer here. Nice job, guys. You know, there the answer to this question is very difficult. What is the best lake? Because there's a lot of lakes that are good for different things. Um, and different kinds of fishing. Lake Texoma. Big, wide open, uh, really good striper fishing, 
Texoma's a good one. Grand is got great real estate. There's some good fishing there, but it's way too packed and really dangerous. What about the party lake? Ten Killer's got a nice little spot. Ten Killer, the best party lake is, man, I don't know. Texoma's pretty good. The islands at Texoma are pretty hard to beat, but I don't know. Ten Killer can be a good time with that. Ten Killer's a good time. Anchor the boat over there all day long, and you're pretty much set. Tough for real estate. Grand's got a pretty good party scene, too. All right, quick timeout. More from the Rush coming up. Final hour is next.